Once more, it is what's involved, and it is so good to have you along with us. Uh, tonight, we're going to be talking to an incredible man um, who's who's written a book, and I know I often say that, you know, this is a must-read book and et cetera, et cetera. This one, unquestionably, you have to read it, but I am going to put out a disclaimer right up front. This is a story that will tug at your heartstrings and you know what? You might end up with more than a few uh, tears, but it's a story of hope and it's a story of resilience. What am I talking about? Well, I'm talking about a book that's just been released called Out of Quattro, From Exile to Exoneration. And the author is Lutando Jasop. Hello, Lutando. Welcome, man. Hello, hello, David. And thanks to for inviting me and hello to the listeners. So Lutando, you, you've written the book um, and it's, it's taken me a while to, to kind of get through it because sometimes I just have to stop and shake my head. But basically, just, just to give a bit of a, a background of, of what the book is all about, um, out of Quattro. Now, Quattro um, is actually... Um, the ANC's version um, of a of a concentration camp, can I say? Exactly. And it, it's a it's a version. It's a version. It's an ANC version of a gulag, the gulags of the Soviet Union. Wow. A, a concentration camp yes. Concentration camp and. The book is all about your story and your journey from when you were a youngster, growing up, the things that you like to do, um, joining Mkonto Esizwe, and how you ended up getting into Quattro, and then from there, what has happened. So let's let's start off at the very beginning so we can get to know you a little better. Tell me a bit about uh, Lutando. You were born where, your early days, those kind of things. Uh, I was born in a small town called Mtata, in the so-called Transkai, uh, in 1958. And I grew up there, but I had this uh, gift of, uh, of art. And uh, I took art as my my, it was my, I, 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 I identified it as my future profession. But then what, uh, what happened is that I later fell in love with architecture. But uh, what, is, what was the problem is that in that system we lived under, apartheid system, the uh, architecture was not uh, in, uh, a faculty for black people. It was only for white people. And uh, that's when now I found myself uh, involved in politics in a way which uh, I hadn't intended to, to do. So, that's how and, uh, politics uh, entered my life. And then 
I couldn't understand why politics now were involved in my education and that's led me, that's, that's when one thing led to the other and I became disillusioned with primary education and I, that's when I even dropped out of school. When dropping out of school didn't mean that now I was no more educating myself uh, unconventionally, so to say. I went to the library, became a member of the library and educated myself in many ways, but later on, I became involved with my fellow friends in listening to the Radio Freedom, which was uh, at the time broadcasted from uh, Osaka. But uh, that's when now I came to know of the existence of MK, Mkondo Sizo, the ANC's military wing. And I so wanted to be part of it. But at that time, it was 1977. I couldn't, uh, going to exile was a, a bit difficult. One had to get uh, connections. But uh, it was until 1980 when I left the country on my own and joined Mkondo uh, Sizo in Maseri, in Lesotho, in 1980. And uh, I stayed there for almost a year. I left in 1981, ultimately, to get my training in Angola, which started in December 17, 1981. Yes. Okay, so... Um... You, you you started your training. Where did the training start, Lutando? In, in which country were you in? The training started in Angola in 1981, December 17. Now, at that time, you, you were still, you were a young man, and I'm, I'm fairly certain you were an idealistic man, and, and you, you thought that you were going to be fighting for your freedom and the freedom of the people of South Africa. That is what the intention was. And, cool. you know, I think, you know, to, to, to try and put myself into your shoes, I don't think I can do that. But surely you were thinking, you know, how incredible um, our country, South Africa, could be once we'd thrown off the yoke of, of apartheid and it was all of us living together in, in peaceful times. Did you still practice your art at those times? Uh, let me just go back a bit, David. Okay. You say I was I was idealistic at that time. Yes, I was idealistic, but uh, there were some little snags whilst I was in the suit. Uh, I, I think there were signs, though we didn't take uh, them seriously. We thought maybe I right, these were just uh, little problems that were not. Uh, that will just end here in Lesotho. Because at, at Lesotho, in Lesotho, we had a problem of, we were not getting full support from the ANC. 
we had to fend on our own. We understand me. We didn't have any support. We only got support from the United Nations, which was 20 rands a month. And so we had a hard time in Lesotho. And uh, when somebody goes through the book, you see the garden details. But so, but then leaving Lesotho, I remember on that plane hovering over uh, South Africa towards Switzerland. I was, I was so, having so many hopes for my country. But oh, when I come back and the ANC will be in power, all these shakes, all these forums, we call them uh, matchboxes. All these matchboxes will be gone. People will be living in better, will have better living standards. They won't be hostels, dirty, filthy hostels. And I had so much hope for my country. And now, and now landing in Angola, yes, I, I, was, I was so hopeful, very much optimistic and uh, idealistic, as I say, uh, because we had this lovely document, the Freedom Charter, with all our hopes enshrined there. So everything was just uh, looking rosy, I can say that. <laughs> okay, now the, the, the whole idea of Mkonto um, Wesizwe was it was a military wing. So by going to Angola, this is where you started with your, your military training or furthered your military training. Yeah. Okay, so, so what happened? Because it, it was all a bed of roses. In fact, what I think we must do is uh, we're going we're gonna to come back and I'm going to uh, continue this discussion with Rutando and we're going to pick up his story from his time in Angola. This is What's Involved. It's so good to have you along with us. My special guest is Lutando Jasop, who is the author of uh, an incredible book called Out of Quattro, from exile to exoneration. We'll be back in just a bit. And we're back with my special guest, Lutando Jasop, who is the author, as I said, of an incredible book, Out of Africa, uh, Out of Quattro, rather, Out of Quattro, uh, from exile to exoneration. So when we left uh, just before the break, Lutando, um, you just arrived in Angola. So tell me what, what happened in Angola. Okay. In Angola, so we had our training, our military training. Uh, like, like I said, as I said, we, on the 17th of December, we started our training. But then uh, early in 82, there was a malaria epidemic in the camp. So we had to leave that camp for another camp, open another camp called Kakulama. That's when we, we finished our training later in the year, uh, later in the year. But now, what has been uh, fascinating for us, you know, what we loved was the, the meetings we had, call them criticism and the self-criticism meetings, where we were free to voice ourselves, of any discontent we had, uh, 
we, it was man, it was, of course, in a good spirit. In that spirit that anyone who loves ANC will love it enough to criticize it, as long as it's not for destroying it, but only to build it. So that self-criticism meeting and those self-criticism meetings were, were actually good for the, uh, the organization. So they were not limited only to the camp matters, but mostly to our organization as a whole. Because one thing that is, one aspect that is very much important about any MK Kweda is that we were, uh, were told, we were taught that we are first politicians. And we are not just any soldier who's being armed without any political um, clue. So we were politicians first. And so this stuck in us. And uh, as you know, everybody knows, Mkondo Esiza is actually an army of politicians from the great, uh, the earlier uh, members Nelson Mandela, Walter Sassou, you name them. These were first politicians. So when, when these, uh, with these uh, criticism meetings going on, it was something which was actually in line with our, in line with the, the program of the MK, program of the ANC. But then, Suddenly, we were told that there will be no more self-criticism meetings. The reasons for that we were told. But then it came up now in such a way that in a hostile way, we were not going to argue that, all right, I understand we're in the army. And in the army, you only take orders from the top. Orders come from the top and you don't argue with the others, you just take them. But now this had a, was distasteful because we know ourselves to be politicians first. So we felt a, a, a bit uh, uh, restrained somehow. But then that was just the beginning because what happened is that we saw people being taken secretly, we were told that no, so-and-so is taken uh, and we would see this in, in whispers that hey, he's been taken to Guadro. They say he's an energy agent. Then another one, then another one. So it, now that robust uh, atmosphere was no more than we were now each was thinking of their safety first and now there we were no more feeling free like we used to be but then that is when now i finished my training i was taken to another camp called kashito kashito is a camp where people who are going to be infiltrated inside the country are prepared 
for the last time. There in the camp, I was taught uh, in uh, anti-air aircraft, a ground-to-air missile uh, weapon, which is meant to neutralize helicopters and, and the like. So we were, we were meant to go to Russia, but then uh, things changed. The Russians were coming to come to Africa. And for the first time, they were find uh, Russians uh, training people in Africa. They came to train us. We were, we were such a special group. We even had our special uh, base in a special <laughs> A secret camp, we had our special secret base. But anyway, to cut matters short, we had finished the, the course when suddenly we were taken to the Eastern Front now, instead of being sent to the uh, to inside the country, South Africa, to fight, we were taken wholesale to the Eastern Front to fight the Angolan War. We were told that you know this is going to take just three months, and then after that maybe we are being prepared for an insurrection inside South Africa. So we went to this uh, Eastern Front uh, fighting UNIDA. Well, at, at first we thought you now this is going to be. We know that uh, after three months we will be sent inside the country because all along. Uh, MKK does have been having this problem. We always wanted to come inside the country. At that time, people inside were ready. We could see uh, civil organizations all over. UDF, all these unions, people were all out fighting. They were only waiting for to come now and do the, the, the job. Now, it seems as if now, okay, we're going to go for this three months and then we will be sent inside the country. So this was something we were all joyful about. Now, but what happened is that we soon became disillusioned of that war because the very people we were helping did not uh, like our presence there. The Angolan people thought they didn't have enough political understanding. They thought we were only uh, keen on killing their own people. But now we were also uh, suffering with, with, uh, uh, casualties. Our guys were dying there, and then that's when we said, "No, no, no, no. We are, we are withdrawing from this." We called, a, we told the people like Christian who had visited us in one of the places called Canada, and told them, "No, no, no. We went to that was in late '83, late '83, when uh, December, when Christian came." And uh, we said, no, Chris would like to leave. We said, okay, I'm going to tell the leadership. Just after that, we suffered heavy, uh, heavy casualties. 26 of our guys, including a few of the Angolans, 
died, they perished in an ambush. And that's when we said, no, 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 no. We are now, okay, it ended up being a, a meeting. And we were, we were forcing them now to take us to, to withdraw us from the Eastern Front. What, was, what happened is that we were taken back to Luanda in a place called, in a camp there called Vienna. What happened also is that we said to ourselves, no, wait, we can go to the front, but we cannot go all of us to the front at the same time. And what about the rear, here in Angola, our rear? Because we still have, our house is not in order. We still have places like Guadro. We hear people are uh, being taken there and uh, it's high time the ANC security uh, became accountable to us. It should be dissolved. We should know what is happening there in that world. So now you see now things were it's no boiling now. This mutiny, so-called mutiny now, mutiny was no boiling to be a political force. And on the other hand, we were calling for a national conference. It was a, since 1969. There had never been any other national conference, an elective national conference. Even in that 1969 national conference was came to be came to be after a after a, a force from the members of the NK. It was it yeah, one other thing about the ANC is that. The MK had always been pivotal in, in, the, in the development of the ANC, in the sense that even in that 1969 conference, it resulted ANC uh, having, for the first time now, uh, having all races as members. Now we, we wanted to, 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 to develop our, we felt that our organization was stagnating. We, we needed this and that and that. And so we needed a, a national conference, an elective national conference. Now this call for a national conference Surely it was something which the leadership did not like. We, we did not like the make that call. But then on arriving in Vienna, we found the place and the people around Luanda, those who were not had not been in the Eastern Front. They went, they came and wanted to find out from us. Actually, what was happening was they've been hearing rumors that we are, we are unruly. We sat down with them and explained to them that no, this and this and this and this. We just like our house to be in order even before we can descend to the front and all that. We'd like to see our organization having a national conference where we we can elect leaders of our own. 
It didn't mean that we did not like these leaders, but we wanted this uh, tradition of a conference, a national conference, to, to be there because it is in the, it was in the national, in, in our constitution. So, but then it might have appeared to the leaders at the time as if we were against them. But then what happened is that uh, on the 12th of February, 1984, there was a pre-dawn raid organized by our leaders, pre-dawn raid by the Fabla forces of Angola to come and squash us. Those guys were there to kill all of us with the, with the orders from our leaders. But it so happened that we escaped. They only killed one guy who must have woken up late and then they found themselves encircled. They had encircled the camp, but they didn't know that they themselves were encircled. And when they, when that, when they discovered that they were encircled, they knew that they wouldn't last. And we knew that we would kill them, but we wouldn't last long ourselves. So, but in that, in that mini, uh, there was a mini battle there because I and a couple of guys, four guys, we were stuck in a trench right behind them. They didn't see us, we were 20 meters behind them. They were facing the camp, we were behind them, but we couldn't uh, leave that trench because if we went left, uh, if we ran uh, towards the bush, those guys of ours in the bush would think we were the Angolans and they shoot us. So we were stuck between uh, the Angolans and our guys and we just had to stay, stay put there. And that's when they saw us, when the sun came up. They wanted us to do, to disarm and we asked them, why are you doing, why do you want to disarm us? They said, no, they've been given orders. Actually, this guy was already taking out a grenade. He was about to throw it into the trench where we were, in the trench in which we were. That's when I released a rocket. I had my bazooka ready and it was aimed at the APC. So as to dis disrupt him, to disturb him so that he couldn't throw it freely because I knew that once that grenade landed in, the, in, in, the, in, our, in our trench, we were dead. So I shot at the, with my bazooka, I shot at the APC, Ahmad personal came. And with all my shells, which were five, those rockets, with those rockets, I destroyed that APC and the driver died. I'm sorry of those of those outcomes. 
I, I apologize in the book about that uh, at the end of the book. Yeah. Lutando, yeah. we yeah. can get more into this because, you know, that was also the part of the book. And, and you've, you've, we, we're not going into depth here because in the book, uh, Lutando goes into more, into more depth about uh, these things that happen and everything. To me, though, what was one of the most shocking things was that their own leadership. So, so Lutando, the ANC leadership, had planned this raid. I mean, you must have felt incredibly betrayed. But let's get back to that uh, in just a bit when we come back. This is What's Involved. So good to have you along with us. Uh, my guest, Lutano Jasop, who is the author of Out of Quattro, From Exile to Exoneration. We'll be back in just a bit. And we're back with my special guest, uh, Lutando Jasop, uh, the author of Out of Quattro, From Exile to Exoneration. So, Lutando, you'd now, and I, I know that the, that particular experience was one of many experiences that stuck with you, um, that destroying of the, of the um, APC and, and the killing of the people involved. From there, what happened? Because I want us to get to how you got to get sent to Quattro, because you didn't actually know you were going to Quattro initially, did you? <laughs> no, I didn't know. Uh, what happened after that? Now... You can imagine now us shooting the, the APC. And now these guys, my, my colleagues on the front, in the trench, they were also shooting, but shooting in the air just to scare away the Angolans. And the Angolans were running helter-skelter towards the camp. But then we, that's when we got a chance to run, for, to dash for the, for the bushes which were close by. When they heard that we had stopped by uh, shooting, they turned and they sh they were shooting in, uh, at us. It is a miracle that no one, none of us was uh, was injured. And then that's when now there were talks now between the leaders, the the commanders of the Fabla forces, and some of our guys. Uh, he said, no, 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 okay. They were saying, they saw that now they are going, they cannot last because they are incited. And then we also saw that, no, no, we cannot, we can, we can win this, but we, we won't last this the whole day. <laughs> but by the end of the day, we'll be tracked down by the Valence army and we'll be dead. So that's when we started talking. And then it was, uh, we, we, it was uh, agreed that we will disarm, and we said no. Let the whole ANC, let the whole MK guys in Angola, in in Rwanda disarm because we are afraid of the security of the ANC, of the of the MK. These guys are cruel. They are going to to brutalize us. So how about uh, all of us disarming? Okay, they said, okay, the whole of MK members were disarmed. But what happened is that on the following day, we saw Chris Anik arriving with the security guys. They were armed. In the, uh, to cut matters short, very soon it was said that they came with a list that these people uh, will be taken to the 
prison, national prison of of Angola in 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 Luanda. And we were all the rest were taken to to other camps. The, the very camps that we have been taken from uh, before going to the Eastern Front. At that time, what had happened is that another guy had claimed that he was the one who was red shot in APC. One of our guys, I was with in the trench, he had taken my bazooka and paraded it, saying, yeah, I'm the one who shot the, the, the APC. And I was wondering whether this guy is, is aware or, or of the consequences. But then that's what, that's what happened, that he was taken to the prison of Angola. They thought that it was him because he had been boasting that it was him. And I was taken back to another camp in the north, Pango. Uh, and that camp, I knew that very soon, sooner or later, that guy, Mbeko, is MKN. Bego will tell them the truth that I'm so under duress. You tell them that, no, no, it was not me, it was Lutando. And all the time I was in that Pango camp, I was awaiting the time when they'll come and take me. And really, they came and they said, they're going to take me to the front. I said, no, I'm not, I don't feel like going to the front because at that time I knew there was no, they were not taking me to the front. But I wanted the people around me to know that actually I'm the one who shot that APC with the Bazinga. And let there be no misunderstanding that I'm going to the front. When they don't see me anymore, they shouldn't think I'm in the front. I might be dead or I might be in quadro. So I said, no, no, I'm not going to the front. Just take any other guys who's who's prepared to go to the front. I said, no, we want you. These were the guys of the security, we want you. So these other guys, I was with them, they came, they said, no, why are you, why don't you go to the front? I said, I told them the truth, no guys, actually I'm the one who showed that he could see. God was just uh, claiming something didn't do. And I'm sorry now, Mbeko, I'm sure Mbeko is, is suffering because of, uh, of that, but I couldn't go uh, uh, leave this place. I wanted you to know beforehand that I'm the one who shot the APC and whatever happens to me, you must know that this thing of going to the front is just a facade. There's nothing, I'm not, they're not taking me to the front. It's either they take me to that prison or they take me to work. So after that, I told myself that, okay, now, whatever happens, everybody knows the, the truth about the story of the APC. And that's when now, when they came for the second time, asking me to go there, I said, okay, I'm going there. I'm going to the front or wherever. But they took me via Luanda and I could see that no, these people are just uh, playing with my mind. These are play, they are playing mind games. 
Sooner oh, because, or later. Yeah, but yeah. Lieutenant, that was the time when they said to you that uh, they had to take a detour to go and pick up another guy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you knew so, fact then that uh, there wasn't another guy they were going to pick up. Yeah, yeah. And then they said, no, instead of taking me to Kashido again for a refreshing, they, they said, no, we've got this other guy in, in another camp. I said, okay, okay. But then on the way, that's when now the whole masquerade came to an end. They left, they, they, they stopped the truck, they stopped the van, uh, right in the center of a, a long street uh, with, with bushes both sides. And then they surrounded it. I was left inside the truck. They said, come out with that ordering voice. And uh, when I came out, they ordered me to lie on the, on the street there. And they, I thought they were going to kill me there. But they instead, they, they tied me on the back, my hands on my back. And then they kicked me and then they shoved me into the van again. I had to lie on the stomach and they piled a lot of newspapers on top of me. So that you, as we are passing these uh, checkpoints of the Angolans along the way, they wouldn't see me. When I, I arrived in Tukwadu, I was wet, wet with sweat from head to toe. And uh, that, too, that journey just from there must have been uh, uh, around two hours. I was, it was like I was in an oven. It was so hot. And when the car, the, the, the vents uh, came to a stop, that was when I was in quad. All right. Lutando, um, we kind of are running out of time. So um, mm. this part of, of when you were in Quattro, I mean, you know, I think it, it says mm. in the book there, because it's uh, the beginning of, of, of part four, if I'm not mistaken, where they, you say that everybody that, that reads this should start off by going, yo, yo, yo. Because yeah. Quattro is is a nightmare. Yeah. So how how long were you in Quattro for? And and just let's briefly talk about that and talk about the conditions and the kind of torture that you went through there while you were being. Uh, I think the the correct term that they used there was uh, reeducated. Yeah, Quattro actually. I think they they were saying that. Initially, it was supposed to be a, not a concentration camp, but a rehabilitation center for people who had been ill-disciplined or enemy agents. But then that was not the case. On arrival in Guadro, I was beaten from the, from the time I was disembarking uh, from the from the van, and between that point and in the office, I had already lost a tooth. And oh. no, mine is not to ask why. It, it, it just I don't know how it happens, but you just feel that now you are in a different place. You have no rights. 
you cannot, these comrades are no more comrades now. And you are no more a fellow South African. You are now something else, something else. They, first of all, they say you are no more a Nukande Jasop or your MK name. You are going to have another name. You get another name. You say they tell you that you, you have no rights here. Your right is to be beaten. Your right is to work hard. And, uh, and none of you is, is going to tell us that he is tired. And oh. it's just like that. No. First of all, I was, taking, I was taken to a, a, an isolation. For two, for two months, I was in isolation. Anytime there in Guadro, you get beaten. Just being there in Guadro gives those guards a right to, to beat you. And it's as if there is a competition among them as to who's the, who's the most, uh, and you are, the, you are the victim. You have to uh, stomach that. You don't have to complain because in Quadro, I told that all those rules, but you are never told when you are going to leave or why you are there or when you are going to leave. It's like, it's like you have come to the end of your journey in, in, in life. And uh, okay. every day you, you wait for the time when somebody comes in and just beats you with no reason. Sure. Other than that, you are in world. Yeah, Lieutenant, this was probably the most difficult part of the book for me as well. But I don't want to, I don't want people need to go out and read this book because it, it has definite impact on, on our politics, on the ANC, what, where we are today. So let's skip forward. You now took this amount of time to be able to write a story about something that doesn't get discussed. So you've, you've written the story. Where, where is Lutandu now? Are, are you, are you, Sort of, I mean, because you know everything that you stood for um, suddenly in Quattro was was totally different. I mean, you 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 had no rights. You were beaten, and these by your own people, the people that you believed initially were fighting for for freedom for South Africa. So, how do you feel about it now? I mean, this book must have been difficult to write. It was difficult to write, but to a must write book. It was sort of a, a way of counseling myself because we never had any counseling in our lives. But uh, there are so many issues because I was not there alone. I had my friends, uh, my 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 comrades, who, some of whom died there, right in front of my eyes. And uh, I just wish that they are, they shouldn't be forgotten. Mm. Now, it's an incredible story, but now, 
How how do you feel now? I mean, about about the ANC itself, um, because I know you know in today's times in our countries, if if you look at back to the Freedom Charter and you know what it originally stood for and where we stand today, they're not necessarily the same thing. Are you still a supporter, um, or are you still an exile in terms of of MK? Actually, yes, you know, the ideas we were fighting for are no more the, uh, I cannot cannot say I see them coming to flourishing right now because the Freedom Charter was just a simple document. We were all fighting for it. But now I see that we deviated from the Freedom Charter. And uh, that is when, uh, I say it is a simple detriment because what we, where we are now, we are not in any way, though simply it might seem, but we are no way closer to, to achieving what the freedom charter was set out for us to achieve. We are actually, ANC now is like a rudderless ship in the ocean headed for the icebergs. We, mm. we, we do not have any direction because we, what I, I can say is that I refute that there is democracy within the ANC because we would, we would never have been, in, in, uh, we would never have been convicted in Guadalupe had there been a democracy in the ANC. They saw that we were fighting for democracy within the party intra-party democracy, which is not existing even today. My friend, Sipopoula, who died in front of me in Utah, had been his his call, it had been his call that we should elect people that we love. We, we, we should be choosing our leaders. It is an ANC uh, principle or policy that we should, it is what we've been taught by the ANC, that we should choose people that we, we like. But then the very ANC is not a, a practicing that. You come up with that fundamental principle you are now against what the ANC is practicing because this what is happening that ANC people vote for the ANC not for the leader is not the fundamental uh, practices or the aims or the policies of the ANC so right now I find that the ANC as it is 
Of course, we have adopted this Soviet uh, centralized democracy, which is not democracy at all. It's where we members, we just have to abide with the decisions of those of the executive and uh, close rank, close rank. We are the ones who are accountable to them, not vice versa, which should be the case. The leaders of the institute should be the ones who are accountable to the, to the public, to the members. And as such, they would, things like uh, corruption would be curtailed had there been this democracy, which the way I, I know it, not centralized democracy. Centralized democracy is something we adopted from the Soviet Union, from the communist parties. It is not democracy at all. And uh, I find that it's not even, it's not ANC alone, even other parties. This intra-party democracy is something that we people of South Africa should look at closely because we might uh, tomorrow have another party in power, only to find that it also practice this, it does not have any intra-party democracy. So in other words, what we were fighting for and what the ANC was, was resisting is this intra-party democracy. We wanted to democratize the ANC as our own organization, but it had to go to the lens of building quadro, and in the incarcerating people, killing people, so as to have this centralized democracy. And when we came back home, whoa, it was open season. The economy, the, the fiscal, it was open season for them. There was, there was no resistance from the people. People were happy, democracy, blah, blah, but they knew that voices like uh, ours, people who were in exile, we saw this, we were afraid, we were, actually we, we, were, we were forced to sign on leaving Aguadro, you're supposed to sign that uh, I will never talk about Guadro or else I might face a, a death sentence or a firing squad. Wow. So it's like that. Latano, yeah. sadly, my friend, we, we are out of time now. Um, yes. Before I let you go, the book is available in all good bookstores. I, I assume it's available online as well. Um, it's yes. called Out of Quattro, From Exile to Exoneration. Yes. Tando, one last thing. Do you have hope? In these days, with where we sit now, do you have hope for our country and for the party? And for the? Party, for the ANC. Is there oh. hope? <laughs> uh, let me start with the second question. You know, I, there came a time when I, I was to question things like from the uh, utterings from the leadership that you, 
the ANC first, then the country second. To me, it was vice versa. I I thought the the ANC was the vessel we were using to to liberate the country, with the country being the the our first priority, our most important priority is the country. So for the country, I have hope. Really, I have hope, uh, but. Uh, we have to work hard. Uh, we must work hard. Uh, but there are signs now that people are, are being disillusioned of promises after promises as years go by without anything happening. I think these are, these are substantiated these do these uh, grievances from the people they do have substance and uh, i hope that people should now realize that the power that we've always been saying power to the people is not yet in our hands but in the hands of those few it is high time we we took the power back into our hands and made those in power accountable to us. And I think slowly and slowly we're getting there. I do have hope for my country, for the ANC, the, the present president is talking about ANC renewal, I think ANC new renewal would be actually going back to the ANC fundamentals of letting the membership be a participatory in, so as to, when we talk of democracy, we should talk of participatory to recall whoever they feel is not performing okay the people should be empowered. No, the people should empower themselves. Okay, David. Wonderful. Lutana, thank you so much, mate, for, for your time. <laughs> thank you for your yeah. bravery, because I know what it must have taken to write this book, and I know why you kept silent for so long, but I think this is a very, very important book that you wrote. Um, and also some, some very valid points of view there. Um, so thank you. Uh, Lutando Jasop is the author of Out of Quattro, From Exile to Exoneration. Do yourself a favor, get the book and read it. It's, there's some great moments in there. There's some terrible moments in there, but it's a book that every South African, I believe, needs to read. Lutando, thank you so much. Thank you, David. Thank you a lot. There we go. That was my special guest, uh, Lutanda Jasop, author of Out of Quattro, From Exile to Exoneration. Uh, wraps it up for this edition of What's Involved. To each and every one of you, look after yourselves, take care, and thank you for listening. <laughs>